Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the podcast. Firstly, I wanted to say thank you for some of the beautiful feedback I received uh, regarding episode seven, the interview with my grandma. It honestly was so much fun to record and it's so lovely hearing how it resonated with a number of you as well. And I really hope you were able to take some um, little tips and tools out of that episode as well. So in today's deep dive episode, we're going to be jumping into a slightly different area of housing options and accommodation pathways. So for a lot of aging individuals, it's their preference to stay at home for as long as possible. And often that might be in the family home that they've lived in for a really long time. But there are a number of steps and different accommodation that can be considered before people might make the choice to move into a residential aged care facility or nursing home. So today I wanted to step you through about five different options in terms of housing and care and kind of the progression of the different levels of care that you can receive. So as we said, often people want to stay in their own home, so we take that as our our base level. So step one up from that is what's often referred to as retirement living, or independent living units. So typically this is thought of there's a retirement village is often a really large accommodation where they have sometimes over a hundred different units available in there for people to live independently in. Some of the smaller retirement living options are sometimes units in clumps of three or four. Sometimes they're more apartment style units. There's a variety of different independent living options. If you wanted to search information on this, I would probably recommend Googling uh, retirement living or independent living units in my area. Now, it's worth saying here, there are, for all of these options, various fee structures available. Now, this depends greatly on the organization, and it might vary depending on whether they're a for-profit or a not-for-profit organization. Even within either of those, they'll often have different funding options available. Some of them are, you know, a leasehold kind of agreement where you pay for the home for the next 99, 200 years, and then you get a certain amount back when you exit your lease. There's also a loan and license, which is often common in not-for-profits, but because they are so complex and uh, can vary so greatly, I really would encourage you to look more broadly at what you think might be suitable for you and then have some discussions with those individual providers about what the options are in terms of free structures and pricing. 
So retirement living or independent living units is often a really common option for people who are looking to maybe downsize. Um, Perhaps they uh, have lost their spouse or partner. I shouldn't say lost. Grandma always tells the story of when my grandpa passed away and people kept saying to her, we're so sorry for your loss. (laughs) She kept saying to all of us, I haven't lost him. I know where he is. He's dead. So, sorry, Grandma, not anyone that's lost a partner, for anybody whose partner has died is what I meant. So, often independent living or downsizing is a a time where you might be living on your own or even as a couple you might be choosing to move to a smaller home that's more manageable, particularly for people that have, say, lived in the family home that can be two, three, four bedrooms, often an option to downsize to a smaller, more manageable unit where often the grounds are maintained as part of that fee. So you don't have things like your ongoing kind of little maintenance and garden tasks as well. So that's option one. Next step up from that is what they call serviced apartments. Now, these are apartments that you still live in independently and you can still do your own things from but they offer a lot of additional services within the apartments. They are often attached to or connected to a residential facility or nursing home, so they've got those kind of services on site, but you're not considered a a resident of the nursing home. You still live in your own apartment, but it is a service department. So as it sounds, you often might have access to, um, say, meals that are delivered to your room. You can also often purchase additional services in terms of if you needed someone to assist you with showering or with medication. It kind of adds an extra level of support. And I guess one of the positives of service apartments is that you can gradually increase those services as you go. It is also great in that they can work all of these options almost all of these options, there's a caveat, but almost all of these can work alongside your home care package or your Commonwealth Home Support Program services. So you can still receive that assistance from your home care package and maybe top it up with some paid services from the service departments if you needed to. So one of the next options or the next step up from that, option three, is what they call a supported residential facility. So supported residential facilities are almost a completely separate thing on their own. They are quite commonly used for clients with disabilities, uh, either mental health, intellectual disabilities, cognitive impairments, but also physical disabilities. So some of the services they could include in supported residential facilities is personal care assistance like showering, medication management, financial management, assistance with feeding, or other daily living tasks. So they a lot of privately operated facilities predominantly um, where the vulnerable adults living in that type of facility fund their own accommodation and care. So part of that can be done through their disability or age pension but they really are a special premises that provides accommodation alongside personal care services as well. So we've covered off living in your own home, retirement living or independent living units, service departments, and supported residential facilities. So all four of those options, you can have your home care package or Commonwealth Home Support Program sit alongside that. So all of those options so far are considered living independently in the community. 
I did want to put a little sidebar here, which isn't necessarily an accommodation type, but it is an option, again, for people that might not be wanting to go into residential care facilities or nursing homes. So often one of the challenges or predicaments people come across as they're aging is potentially not wanting to die at home. And for some people, that's because they still have a spouse there or they have children that are supporting them at home. For some people, it's just not wanting that memory for their loved ones of them dying in their own home. For other people, it's the ultimate goal to be able to die at home and to not have to require additional care and support. And so I wanted to just put a little, I guess, little asterisk in here that there is specific hospice care services that can be accessed when you're at the end stages of your life. So this really is what they consider palliative care or that really end stage care. And it is often a privately funded option but it is an option for people that potentially get to the point at home where they've done everything they can and they are continuing to decline in their health and head closer and closer to end-of-life care. And for people that make the decision that they don't want to die at home, moving to a hospice care facility is an option available to you. So I just wanted to put that there as a little side note I guess it's not specifically an accommodation type, but it is an option that you could use for housing and accommodation for that very final stage of your life if you wanted to. So often the last step on the journey or the last option for people is a residential care facility or a nursing home. So a residential care is predominantly for people that are feeling no longer safe living independently in the community. Often people that have used a home care package will do so for as long as they can at home until their needs exceed that and they require additional support. I really want to preface this part by saying, as someone who's worked in aged care, in residential aged care before, I'm incredibly passionate in believing that there is a time and place for nursing homes, for everyone. And I know that there is a lot of negative publicity about residential care facilities and the care provided within them. And I think it's incredible that there are things like the Aged Care Commission that are really looking into how we can improve those services for people and how we can better audit and complete accreditation for those facilities. However, I think they do on the whole get a pretty bad rap and I just want to say there are some amazing nursing homes and aged care facilities out there. There are people that do incredibly good work and I really encourage you to keep an open mind. If that's the stage that you or your loved one are coming to, please trust me in knowing there are some good places out there and I'm sure everyone can put their hand up and talk about a poor experience they've had in any field, whether that's in hairdressing or the dentist you saw or the plumber that came round. Unfortunately, residential care and nursing homes are the same. There are some that have bad experiences and often not all the time. I'm not defending. There are obviously some that have had incredibly poor conduct over a long period of time. However, I really do feel on the whole it gets a bad reputation for what is actually an incredible service that they provide. Now that I'm off my high horse, (laughs) 
I think that this is a fantastic option for people that have really stepped their way along that care pathway. So you might have started off living in your own home, then you chose to downsize and be in a smaller independent living unit. You had a home care package sit alongside that. You went all the way from level one to level four, slowly increasing the level of support that you required. You get to your level four and you're still needing more help and potentially your family's not able to assist more or you don't have the financial means to be able to do that at home. Residential aged care facilities are the next step and I really encourage you to have a look around and try a few. On my next episode, I'm going to do a little bit more about how to find the right facility and how to find vacancies in your area. But I will just touch on, I think it's so helpful if you're not sure and you don't know where to start, you can do tours, you can book in for respite, you really can go and get a feel for it before you commit to moving there. So there's so many steps before you make that commitment. And if anything, what I've learned the most in my time in aged care is that the more planning and preparation you do in advance, the easier it is when you get to that stage and when you need to make that decision. Because if you haven't had a look around, you don't know what your next steps are and you choose to not explore any of that, there may come a time where you need to make a very quick decision and you might not have the luxury of being able to do all the tours and explore all the places that you might wish to go. So that's not to scare you into going out and booking 20 tours tomorrow, but more so to say, and I think probably the ongoing message from this podcast is to have those conversations. Talk with your family about where you want to go, what your preference are. Ask your loved ones, what would you want to do once living at home becomes too hard? What next steps would you like to look at? As I touched on in the last episode, this is something we have recently been doing with my grandma and we were looking at potentially other more supported living arrangements for her. Now, in her case, it was something we explored and she feels really settled and comfortable in her retirement living at the moment and that's where she wants to remain for as long as possible. And as a family, we're able to support that. So we'll do that for as long as we can with as much support as we can from our home care package. And if the time comes that that's too much, then we'd look at potentially residential care or nursing homes after that point. So have the discussions where you can. I think it's really important to to normalize these discussions, to have them regularly, to understand what you or what your loved ones want to do so that you can plan that in advance so you don't come to a point where suddenly you need to make a snap decision and you put under pressure and potentially end up deciding something that isn't quite aligned to you or your values. So in summary, different living options. I guess starting at the base of being in your own home completely independent. Step up from that is your independent living or retirement living options. There are heaps of these all around Australia. So just Google in your local area and you'll be able to find hundreds of places near you. Step up from that, service departments, still in your own apartment, but with additional services that you can add on to that in terms of normally meals, personal care, potentially medication administration. Supported residential facilities is the next step up, but also a little bit niche because it's specifically more focused on disabilities, but it's an option that you could explore as well. Then we've got our little sidebar to hospice care 
if that's something you wanted to look at as a continuation of care from home or somewhere that you would want to specifically use for your palliative care or end of life care. And then as kind of your final step, residential care facilities, otherwise known as nursing homes. So that's your kind of, I guess, last step in your housing options. And one that is for a lot of people ends up being the right place for you to get the full 24 seven care and support that you need for some of those final stages of your life. So as always, Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Instagram at The Truth About Aging or on Facebook at The Truth About Aging podcast. I will be putting up some resources on there regarding today's episode and I'm always happy to have a chat with you on there. So thank you for listening. I will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.